The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Giving It Up For Less, a podcast about oversharing. How's everybody doing? How are your hearts? Listen, immediate transition. That's the theme. I'm already getting into it. How are your hearts? Um, I realized that we are officially six full months here in North America into this pandemic. And I thought now would be a good time for me to do a check-in. You know, I've done these episodes before where we kind of just, I just talk about how I'm feeling about what's happening. There was a, a Christmas episode. There was also one, I think I did one at the beginning of the of the pandemic madness. Uh, And so I thought I would check in with you all again now um, about that Um, because it's feeling heavy. (laughs) I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just going to go ahead and guess. Like, I don't know that anybody right now is like, I've never felt better. (laughs) I've never been happier. I'm thriving in every way. I just think that no one is saying that. And anybody who is saying that is is deluding themselves and us. Um, So, yeah, I thought I would just talk to you a little bit about that. I also have to say I missed a couple of advice questions in the last episode that I did that I just found in my email. And I was like, I have to address these. I have to do it. And then finally, I want to do a little bit of a dumb lie roundup because I get so, so, so many amazing dumb lies. I can never get to all of them. And so I thought maybe, you know, we'll talk about our spirits a little bit off the top here. I'll give some more advice and then we'll raise our spirits by hearing about dumb things people have lied about uh, to maybe give you a bit of a smile, a bit of a laugh. Um, on this auspicious anniversary in time. Um, Remember the beginning of this whole thing when we were like, ah, maybe it'll be three weeks. We'll be fine. Oh, who knows? Uh, And then the dread came, um, the unknown, the fact that it was like, oh, wait, this isn't what we necessarily thought it was. It's going to be way more than three weeks. What are we doing? Um, Then I feel like it was acceptance that this is what's happening. Then a certain percentage of people just kind of decided it was over. Well, it's over. We're we're sick of this. We don't want to do this anymore. So we're just not going to take part in anything um, that is being recommended to us to to keep ourselves and others safe. And then that brings us to where we are now, which feels like it feels like no man's land. It feels really like no person's land. We should probably change that, shouldn't we? No person's land? Yeah. Um, But it just feels like being in an abyss. I say often I feel like I'm walking through molasses. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but it's like, wow. Um, And then I'll share a little with you about my life, because again, this podcast is literally based on oversharing it's the entire purpose um but we went back to work last week on superstore so we started filming season six and there are a million protocols and listen there are people online on my social media accounts who keep asking me specifically like what are they specifically doing and I haven't really responded to that stuff yet because first of all how much time do you have there is giant handbooks that have been written Um, that they're following about what they have to do to try and keep everybody safe in this crew. And uh, so first of all, yeah, I I mean, it would be, I could talk about it forever, everything that they're doing. And then second of all, you know, it's just, it's, it feels, it all feels so surreal and tenuous to me that it feels weird to even talk about it, which I know 
is bizarre, but it almost, I, it feels like a dream a little bit. It's really weird being back in a place that I'm very familiar with, that I've been very familiar with for five years, but that looks completely different in terms of how we can communicate with one another, how we have to sit, what we need to do, all of those kinds of things. Um, you know, there was a, a a moment on Friday where I was sitting in a in a, my chair uh, with a face shield on, uh, and the chairs are kind of you know away from everything else that's going on. And then there's a giant plexiglass wall basically blocking where we're sitting from the rest of the room. And one of our our crew members, who is a fellow Canadian, um, I hadn't seen him in six seven months, and so he wanted to catch up about you know how's your family back in Canada, and uh, we were shouting to each other through like multiple layers of plexiglass and it was such a it was such an odd moment um for obvious reasons uh but also because you know it's weird to it's weird to see the life that you knew in a completely different way um now I also just want to go on record as saying I feel very safe I I again the protocols are extremely extensive um, and I feel great about it, but it is very odd being there. It's a really weird feeling because it feels like we're not over this yet. We're, we're certainly nowhere through, <laughs> my goodness. Um, and we're there making a TV show. In some ways, I feel like this is great because people need to laugh and their spirits need to be lifted and we're doing something important in terms of that. Um, that we're creating stuff that's going to, you know, eventually, hopefully, uh, give some people some levity and, and lightness in this time. But then it also just feels so odd. It feels so odd that it's, you know, we're like, California has deemed anyone who works in entertainment essential, that we're essential workers. And on one hand, I think that's lovely because I think in some ways we are. I think that if anything, this pandemic has taught us that the content that we view has been really kind of a lifeline for a lot of people. The the podcasts we listen to, the TV shows we watch, the movies that we've streamed, it really does kind of remind you that something that may seem like a frivolous um, occupation actually is is quite important because it is providing um, lightness, again, to, to people in their darkest times. But that being said, on the other hand, it, it does feel weird that it's like, oh, so are we essential? Are you making that choice because you believe that? That, you know, what I'm saying is is altruistic and true? That, that you know, we're, we're important and we're important in people's, um, to keep people's hearts and spirits uh, full? Or do you just want to send us back to work because your largest moneymaker in the state is currently shut down and has been shut down for six months and you want to get some money rolling in this state again? I mean, it's just so hard to know. <laughs> um, and as one of the earlier shows that have gone back, I know there have been other shows that have gone back. What was it? Days of Our Lives. Or one of the soaps went back months ago, which felt way too soon. And they shut down after a day because they realized that they hadn't really worked out how to implement the protocols. I don't think that they had any positive tests. I think it was literally that they just didn't, they didn't plan well enough. Um which, listen, best intentions, no judgment, but wow, um, that feels like such a larger metaphor for so many things right now. Well, we're trying our best. We think we've got it all in place, but do we have a plan? I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, it's just such an interesting time for me being a performer in the in the entertainment industry and and feeling that that kind of dichotomy of yes, I think that it's great that we're you know going to be doing something that's going to help people, but then on the other side, like again, like is it okay that we're doing this? Is it too soon? Should we wait another couple months? I mean, what do we? Who knows? But I guess only time will tell. Um, the good news is, is that so far, you know, again, um, they're keeping us safe there and we haven't had any issues. So fingers crossed. It's just so bizarre. You know, with some friends of mine back in Canada, they actors there, they were telling me that they were going back to work. And I'm like, right, but that makes sense. You guys flatten the curve, you know, and they've had cases still here and there, but they have had a couple of days where they've had no deaths whatsoever. So that does feel like, yeah, now is the time for us to go back to work and start making content again because, you know, we're, we're, we're doing okay. Here, it just feels like we're not there yet. We're not really at that point yet. So, uh, again, that's, that is the fear, um, I think. For, maybe that's what I'm – maybe I'm communicating. I'm working this out with all of you right now, and I hope that you're along for the ride. Maybe that's what it is. It's a fear to me that it's like, was this, was this the right move? Was it too soon? Again, only time will tell, and we can only be vigilant and diligent and all of the gents and <laughs> do our best, I suppose. Um, man, oh man. But listen, I think the big thing that I kind of wanted to talk about, um, just briefly, we don't have to like, you know, we don't have to belabor it. But the thing that I did want to address is that, you know, I am wildly, keenly aware that my experience during this this time has been a very easy one. Um, you know, I, I was able to stay home, which is a huge privilege that I recognize that so many people don't have. And it's been really, again, just just even just last week going back to work, I came home after the first day and was like, fell into bed and asleep um, at like 5 p.m. It was so exhausting. It was so, and it wasn't that I was sleepy. It wasn't that I was, you know, traditionally like tired. It was that my body was exhausted. And it really opened my eyes that it's like, wow, I'm somebody who's had a pretty easy go during this time. And that transition back was so, <laughs> I'm going to say it aggressive um violent even one would say uh just just to the system it was such a shock to the system that it really made me think about all of you it made me think about all the the people who you know have a wide variety of different careers and jobs and occupations and all of the above um and it made me think about wow if it was that hard for me I wonder how other people are feeling and I think the answer is probably really overwhelmed I know there are a lot of you I think who listen to this show are moms and I know a lot of you have had to go through the deliberation about depending on where you're located are you sending your kids back to school are they being schooled online are you going to start homeschooling and I mean that is such a level of burden and I understand that it's just the normal right now. It's just the new normal. We're going with it because we have no choice but to go with it. But it, again, when I fell into bed after that first day of work, it made me realize that it was like the stakes of everything right now are so huge because we really, really don't know if we're making the right choices, if we're doing the right things, what the world is going to look like in a day, a week, a month, a year. 
these are huge, heavy times and stuff that I, I just think we all need to give ourselves some credit that we're being faced with things. We're being faced with things that don't necessarily in the moment feel that big or that the the reverberation of those choices doesn't feel that big to us. It's like, oh, this is just what I'm doing right now. But when you really kind of pull out and look from the outside and, and kind of take in what is being asked of us right now, it's wild. It is overwhelming and heavy and wild. And I get that it's like, you know, well, stiff upper lip, nose to the grindstone, do the best that you can, make the best informed decisions that you can in the moment based on the information that you have. Um, but I just wanted to to take this moment using this, you know, platform that I have with all of you and just say that that it's okay if you feel really exhausted and overwhelmed. And I think that we need to allow ourselves to have time to feel those things. Because if we don't, it's eventually everyone's going to start having literal breakdowns, anxiety attacks, all of the above. I think just really taking moments to honor that it's like this time and these choices and everything that's happening is so much bigger than I probably have been making it probably is a self-preservation thing too like we don't necessarily want to look at the gravity of some of the things that are happening um, around us because that's tough um, but I think if you find yourself having moments like I have this week where I feel physically almost you know depleted is is a too small a word for for context um I think it's really important to just honor those moments and sit in it. And I know that I talk about that a lot. I think I've talked about that on this podcast a lot. But just sitting in those feelings and really kind of um, acknowledging that they're so valid. It's so valid to be feeling that way. It's so valid to be feeling basically anything that you're feeling um, in regards to this stuff. It's it's wild. And I do – I want to tell all the moms, I see you. I see you and I, I – I, you're doing a great job. And I know that so many people I know have had so much anxiety, so many moms, and, and the dads too, don't get me wrong, but but just speaking to about the moms that I personally know, there's so much anxiety about wanting to make the right choices for your children. Of course, that's of course, that's your job and, and something that I know that is so important to you. And I can only imagine how difficult it must be to have to make those decisions often with very little notice. I know a lot of people were getting messages on like a Saturday that it's like, well, is your kid coming on Tuesday? Like, I can't even imagine that. I mean, going back to work after having been home with the dogs and the cat for six months, I felt like I, I was like, I have a look into what it feels like to be a new mother whose maternity leave just expired and she has to go back to work. Like, I, I really, and I know that sounds... Silly, but it was really true. I was like, this is tough. I can't imagine how that must feel um, as someone who doesn't have human children. I can't imagine how that must feel for you moms, um, you know, to, to be spending that time and then have to, well, here we go. Bye. See you later. That transition must be really hard. And again, I just wanted to to, to give, a sh- give a shout out to all of you out there who are, who are doing your best and and even if you're not hearing it from anyone else, I mean, who knows if my my voice means <laughs> that much to you. But I just wanted to tell you that I think that you're doing a great job. 
and to really give yourself some acknowledgement that you are persevering in a time no matter what your decision is because there again I don't know that there is a wrong decision in terms of this it's so individual and I just want you to know that you're you're doing your best we see you I see you and uh, I'm so proud of you for your bravery and your ability to adapt during what is the I think hopefully let's put it that way I hope that this is the wildest thing we will have to go through in our lifetimes. I hope that this is the extent of of just the never ending uh, twenty twenty man twenty twenty. Ah, uh, but yes, that that was the big thing that I wanted to get out again. Having experienced what I did last week, going back to work, just how exhausted my body was, my mind was. Um, I I. I have so much compassion for all of you and what you're going through. And I want to encourage everyone to not only have compassion for others, but to please have compassion for yourselves. Because I think it's easy during these times to, again, just, you know, put your head down, push forward. And I know there's a certain amount of that that, that you don't have a choice. You have to do that. But I think if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed, having anxiety, um, feeling exhausted, all of those things, give yourself a break. You know, because this is, again... No one's had to deal with anything to this level in what, a hundred years? <laughs> Come on. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, so there you go. I started by asking, how are your hearts? I hope they're full and I hope they are. Uh, but if they aren't feeling full, I hope maybe I gave you a, at least a little bit of a top up um, with my pep talk. <laughs> got to get to these advice questions because there's a couple here that I was like how did I miss this okay where are we going here here's one all right this says hi Lauren I hope you're doing well thank you for taking the time to ask if any of us need advice I know I do great um can you guys hear the car can you just hear the car there's a car in my neighborhood and it's not every night but it is I'm recording this in the evening and just just racing up and down the streets so loud and you know what Six months ago, I would have said, what an a-hole. But what I'm going to say right now is that person's working through something. And so I wish they'd do it on a street that wasn't mine. But I hope, I hope it's helping fill up your heart, person. All right. I'm 27 and figuring out my life. It feels like I'm being torn in two different directions. My heart is in both places, but they are nothing alike. And I'd have to move in either case. How do you know what's right for you? Which path to follow? details. Part of me wants to be a flight attendant for an international airline. I already got offered this job but can't train for another two years because of the pandemic. Wow. The other part of me wants to be in Hollywood starting out as a PA and trying to make it in the crew one day. I don't know what the TV film scene looks like these days but I'm guessing they aren't looking to hire new PAs right now either. No matter what I choose, I feel like I will always wonder what if. So how can you possibly decide when your gut, heart, and head are all torn between two things? Also, is it ever, quote, too late to start crew work? Sorry for the long-winded question. I truly do appreciate any advice you might have on this. Thank you. Well, listen, these are some of the questions that haunt many people. You know, how do you know you're making the right decision? Um, How can you decide when your gut your heart and head are all torn and it sounds to me like you've done a lot of thinking about this on both sides because you're saying that again your heart your head your gut are all torn between these two things it's also an interesting time to be having one of these dilemmas because as you've pointed out you can't start training for one of these things for a couple of years and I think you are right there again 
crews in Hollywood right now, I mean, look, they're they're always looking for for PAs, I'm sure, but right now maybe the one time that they're not because not every show is back. Um so I know the ones that are back, people are jumping, I think to take those jobs. Uh, so it's kind of, but you know what, maybe this is a great opportunity for you because these are two choices that you feel equally passionately about and you can't really act on either of them right now. This is a great time for you really to do some exploration into it, which I think, you know, again, taking something that feels like a roadblock and turning it into an opportunity is, is, is key during these times. So here are my thoughts. I love the idea of of being a flight attendant or for an international airline specifically. This says to me that you're like, look, I'm young. I want to see the world. What a great way to do it and get paid for it. Then become a flight attendant. So that's something. And then you're saying, you know, you want to be in Hollywood starting out as a PA trying to make it into the crew. I guess what I would ask about that specific one is, is there a specific type of job within a crew that you think that you would like doing? The reason I ask that is, um, there's so many different jobs and a, a PA is hard work. <laughs> it's not, that's not a, that is not a glamorous job. I will say that, um, it is an imperative job. It's a job that I greatly appreciate that people do, but I guess my question would be what, what, because you said, uh, just, sorry, I just want to make sure that I read your words. I don't want to be making any assumptions. You said starting out as a PA and trying to make it into the crew one day. So a PA is, of course, a member of the crew uh, if you want to be doing film and TV production. But is it that you want to be um, a director or a, a first AD or a second AD, something like that? Um, because that's kind of the path, too. You can become a PA and then kind of work your way up the AD kind of path. Um, and those jobs are great. Uh, so imperative to what we do. Again, I, I do have to say, I commend you that both of these job choices are things that are going to be requiring you to pull crazy hours <laughs> and probably operating on very little sleep. Um, I don't think that there is an age that is too late to start crew work. It's really just, it's a personal preference. I feel like, you know, I don't know how many people would want to start that as a second job in their mid-30s, for example. That's not to say that people don't. I'm sure that people do. But it's really, I mean, again, TV hours are nutso. Cuckoo bananas. Sometimes shows shoot 16-hour days. Um, they have something called fratter days, which is when a Friday shoot turns into a Saturday shoot because you shoot so many hours that Friday turns to Saturday making it fratter day. So the one thing that the, what I would, and this isn't really advice, but some information I would give you is just, you know, a PA is working, you know, often they are the first people to work and they are the first, last people to leave. So you're there before everybody else. So say there's a 6 a.m. call time, you could be there 5 o'clock, 5.30, getting whatever set up. And then if that shoot, depending on the show that or movie that you're on, depending on what the rules are, because the rules do kind of change. Let's say you're there 12 hours. That's probably a low end reasonable. Uh, you'll, I don't think you'll ever be at work less than 12 hours. So then that means that you would be there because 6 a.m. would be like the actor's call to go into hair and makeup. Crew call would be 7. So you're there at 5. Crew doesn't come till 7. And you can work 12-hour crew hours, which means that you would be there 
shooting until 7, and then you'd be the last one to leave, so cleaning things up, getting things organized for the next day, which means your day would be 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. So that's just an example of, you know, and in those hours, you're moving. I mean, PAs work hard, and there's no, there's no, negative here. I'm not saying that any of this is negative. I'm just painting a picture for you that that is kind of what you're signing up for. Now, yeah, you can eventually move your way up again, like I was saying, to become a second AD or a first AD, which is great. But I guess I would ask just what I would have you think about where you want to see that going, because I don't know that people can PA for a career meaning um, it's such hard work. You do have to do it to kind of move up to do to do other things on that path um I think just for your own (laughs) your your own sanity um but it's I mean it's it's fun it's exciting depending on the show that you're on you can have an amazing time or I'm sure you could also have a terrible time um but yeah I don't I can't speak to being a flight attendant because I've obviously never done it and I have no insight into that world but I will just say I think that what I have always been advised to do when I have decisions like this, because I am a horrifying decision maker. I am so indecisive. It's really, really hard, mostly about littler things that don't really mean that matter that much. But sometimes, I mean, it's crippling for me. It has been my entire life. So what I will do is I'll sit down and I will write a pros and cons list. And I know I've talked about this before, but what I would do is I would sit down and I would take two pieces of paper, one that's um, flight attendant and one that is Uh, set PA and I would write the pros and cons of both and that may just show you that maybe there is one that you're more leaning towards is it that you want to see the world is it or is it that you want to be in Hollywood and you want to get involved in TV and film I can't answer those questions for you only you can answer that but I would say take this time and really write those things down the good news is is that 27 I promise you is so young it's so so young and even if it doesn't feel young to you right now hear my words I promise you it is so young you have so much life um you could probably end up doing both of these things easily and and three or four other things who knows don't they say that people change careers like five times or something in a lifetime there's some statistic like that on average but I don't know if any of this was helpful to you, but that would be my, my, my biggest piece of advice is figuring out what it is that draws you to each of these things. What are the pros and what are the things that you kind of don't like about the idea of doing these things? And the other thing too is that if you, know, if you have to go through training, um, that's a good way of knowing too. You could go through training and partway through training for, to become a flight attendant, you could realize this isn't for you. So maybe it's trying to get on that path too. I'm wondering if there's any at-home training offered or if they've just completely shut it down which I mean that's also more than possible but um yeah I hope that was helpful write down the pros and cons usually something will race at the top if still it is completely 50 50 in every single way I would say then you gotta try both of these things in your lifetime that would be my advice pick one of them now and then just plan to do the other one later because if you feel you don't want to end up having that feeling um for the rest of your life like what if and the other thing too is that you know you'll you may pick one and then something along that path leads you another way and you meet some somebody who introduces you to something else you never even thought about doing you know what I mean like trust the journey there you go trust the journey go on the journey and trust it because um just making a decision and taking a bold step is huge 
And these are like super awesome, brave choices. So I just don't think that there's necessarily a, a misstep you can make. It's really just about trying to figure out if there's something that edges out the other thing, you know, and then go for it. I wish you well. I'm excited for you. This is great. I think you're going to do great no matter what. All right. One more piece of advice. Dear Lauren, when I heard your advice today about the woman whose friend is cheating and she's the gatekeeper of the secret, oh, then she writes the like shocked emojis. This very similar situation came to a head in my life this past Friday and I need to talk it out. So I'm taking your invitation to reach out literally. Okay, so this goes back to the first Ask Ash segment. Uh, if, if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen. Pause this. Go and listen. You'll get the backstory. Um, but okay, this is very exciting. I love this. Okay, so for the sake of flow, the players are me, 43, never married, happily in love, no kids. Cousin, 40, divorced, two kids. Nick, 52, married, two kids. Ken, 52, never married, happily in love, no kids. Ooh, I love this. I love this detail. I feel like I'm getting a, a secret case file. Okay. My cousin and I are super close, like sisters. Hello, I can relate to that. Friend of the podcast, Christy Oxborough. Four years ago, she rented a retail location from two men, longtime friends and business partners, whose offices were upstairs from her new store. We'll call them Nick and Ken. Because of her and my relationship, I spent a lot of time at her store and, by extension, around these two guys. Sometimes Nick's wife would be around, and soon we all became a friend group. Ken and I eventually dated and fell in love, and to this day, three and a half years later, he's absolutely the love of my life and my person and has changed my outlook on love and life in the most positive ways. I love this. This is great. Also during that time, my cousin and Nick, both married, began an affair and it's gone on pretty much the whole four years. I am the only one who knows this. Over time, her marriage crumbled for other reasons and she fell in love with Nick, thereby losing any remaining perspective, logic, reason, etc. He maintained he was never leaving his family for her, but for some reason, she kept going back for more. I mean, not just for some reason. <laughs> it was for the sex. I know that. <laughs> I love this. I had been begging her forever to end it for all of the reasons, but because of their business proximity, each time she would, quote, end it, they would see each other again at work and the cycle would start all over. It caused countless fights and shouting matches between her and I. I'm the judgy, sanctimonious bitch when I should be her ride or die. Meanwhile, my boyfriend Ken has absolutely no idea any of this is going on, so I'm in the position of lying to him by omission for several years now. This is my greatest shame. All this time, Nick's wife and kids still come around to hang out for celebrations or for a meal with friends. I feel like shit around them because of what I know and the pain it would cause if it ever came out. When my cousin and I fight about it, I can't even be honest with my boyfriend about what's bothering me because I have to keep their secret. For the last eight months, cousin and Nick did refrain from their old habits and I became much more at ease now that everything was seemingly in the past. I could justify keeping the secret since it was no longer a current constant source of deception. It really seemed like cousin had moved on and them just being friends really meant friends. But I was naive. About five weeks ago, they hooked up again. At this point, she's single, pretty carefree about her choices, has figured out how to not be feel bad about this, and giggles when she called out and simply says, I know, I'm the worst. She's boiled it down to that. What in the actual? So I'm furious trying to figure out why I care so much, remembering that everything I've said, all the perspective and advice I've given makes absolutely no difference to her whatsoever, so more preaching will do no good. Trying to see it from his wife's perspective doesn't open her eyes, 
Seeing what the lies and secrets and deception have done to me and our close sisterly relationship has made no impact on her decision making. When I explain how hard it is to have the secret between Ken and I, she just tells me to just tell him already. Interesting. Just tell him already. Like it's nothing. Like it's her secret alone to keep or not as or not keep as it suits her with no regard to the fact that these men are friends and have been for years. Ken is an uncle to Nick's kids and a good friend to his wife. They are business partners whose lives and families intersect in many ways. And her resolution is for me to just tell him so I can get over the deception part. She has no regard for what this might do to their relationship or business partnership. If I find out I've been deceived by a person for several years, I'm certainly going to reevaluate all of our interactions without the rose-colored glasses. She doesn't care or consider the position having that information will put Ken in with Nick's wife and kids, whom he looks to as part of his family, and that she's willing to risk all that so I can swallow this affair easier so she doesn't have to end it really has me seeing her with different eyes. So she and I had a major blow up and haven't spoken in five days now. Things were said, old wounds repicked, alliances challenged. It feels terrible, but I also cannot go back to the way it was. I can't do that thing where we apologize for being harsh and out of line and then just go back to the way it was. But she and I are family, and I also can't decide that she's one of my seasoned friends and accept that I have to move on from her. But how do I spend time with her when she refuses to do the right thing and I cannot handle it any other way than with anger and resentment? Plus, Ken and Nick are so intertwined that Nick will likely be a part of my life as long as Ken is my person. These aren't people I can just move on from uh, the way you do when some friends outgrow each other. This is quite the tale. This silent treatment is not how I like to handle things, but I'm at such a loss of how to move forward with her. I can't pretend it isn't happening. I don't want to know when she's hooking up with him, but also the sneaking around and lies and deception that she would go through to keep me in the dark are destructive. I can't trust that she'll finally truly stop with him. I admit it. I am judging her. I don't know how not to. In the beginning, I knew cheating was wrong, but I had been single for 15 years. I was way out of touch with the realities, nuances, and depth of emotion that comes with a real relationship. Sex was really just sex to me, and seeing other people cheat was always a shame, but wasn't part of my life, so I didn't consider it much. But then and I fell in love a few months after their affair started and my eyes truly opened to the deep, deep trust you put in a person you love and for the first time was able to consider with some real ability to relate to what betrayal and loss might feel like. So yes, now that my perspective has changed, I am judging her and she can't handle that, nor should she have to hear me lash out every few weeks as my resentment gets the best of me. Also, she and I have a very close group of girlfriends, so our fights are noticeable to them and I have no idea what she's telling them, but I have to be vague and dishonest in my explanations to yet again protect this fucking secret. I'm sorry to be such a bucket mouth. I like that term. Um, you're not, but I just, it's a funny term. But whew, I did need to get that out. There is no person in my life who I can confide in about this, so I really felt like your good vibes sought me out today to hear this episode, and more importantly, your invitation to reach out. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being my ear. I hope to hear your thoughts on this some in some way in the near future. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry that I missed this last week. Um... And I know also this is very time sensitive because at the time that you wrote this, you weren't speaking to your cousin because of all of this. So things may have still changed since then. But I'm going to give you some advice give, based on the story that you've told me. This is a tough position. I hear you 100%. I would be resentful too. I think that's fair. And to be honest with you, I am judging her a little bit, but I'll tell you why. She has put you in a terrible position. And this is kind of, you know, going to be a little bit of the same advice that I told that other listener in the original advice episode. But she's put you in a really shitty position because now she's telling you, just tell him. And that, to me, is a way... Here's what I think. And I don't normally get this real with these because I like to try and see all sides or whatever. But 
I'm going to go here and this is going to come across as judgy, which is not my style at all. But here's what I'm thinking. It feels to me she's saying now that she's carefree and that she, you know, sees us. I know I'm the worst. We're just sleeping together. Oops. Oh, well. But then when she's like, tell him if you want, tell your boyfriend if you want, you know, whatever, like do it, whatever. That feels to me like there is a part of her that could be completely subconscious. I'm not saying she's doing this deliberately, but there's a part of her that does want this dude's wife to find out. And she thinks that if she, if you tell your boyfriend and then that blows up their marriage, then that maybe that will give them a chance to be together. Now, I know that you could say, oh, no, she doesn't feel that way anymore or whatever. But I think that that's, again, she may not be consciously trying to manipulate the situation, but it feels to me like that could be a possibility. I don't know what to say about about that. There's part of me that wants to say, if she's telling you to tell your boyfriend, then tell him. I mean, she's she's the one who's saying it. But I also understand your hesitance because it it does feel like it's been such a deception for so long. And he is so close to this other person. Not only is that going to impact his friendship potentially, but it could also impact your relationship. And that's, you know, very heavy. Um, the other thing at play here is, and I said it before and I'll say it again, it gets dicey when there's children involved, I think, personally, because... You're literally being asked, do you want to implode a family or not? And do I think that wife has a right to, to know? Of course I do. But do I also see that it's like a very nuanced situation because you don't want to give this information that's then going to cause her all this pain and, and these children pain as well, potentially? That's, yeah, that's, a, that's a, again, it's the worst position to put someone in. I think what's tough here also is that you've you've communicated this to her. She doesn't really see to, seem to see your point of view. She's being dismissive. She's saying, tell him if you want, which feels, again, like I shouldn't be putting that tone on her voice, but it feels like that's, that's the way it's seeming to me. I'm curious to know what choice you do end up making, so please do follow up with me and send me an email um, to let me know how this goes for you because I, I do feel for you as being put in a terrible position. I think at the end of the day... My hope would be that if this this man that you're with, that is the love of your life, your person, my hope would be that if you had to at some point tell him this, that he would understand that you had been put in a terrible position and that this has been eating you alive. Um, that would be my hope, that he would give you a break on it and that he wouldn't get, you know, defensive or upset with you that you've kept this from him. But, you know, again... It, these are such tough these are such tough questions because every time I feel like I have advice about what to do then I automatically think about but what about this you know what I mean so I think at the end of the day the burden that she has put on you I do think you need to reassess your situation with her and I know that you've said you don't you, I mean she's your family she's basically your sister you're so close you don't think she's your seasoned friend I love that you use that terminology thank you very much um but I will just say that this is causing you a lot of very justified mental distress and the fact that she's been dismissive of you I do think unfortunately you you may have to reassess this friendship with her which I understand can be feel very impossible because of your again lifelong sisterhood but I just think that if you've communicated to her how painful this is for you and she has continued to kind of not care um that's that's rough and I think that 
you don't deserve that. And I think that that's really maybe the core of this is as horribly painful. And I know that it's it's weird because again, you're you're tied to this other guy for life. It's not like if you if you distance yourself from her that you'll never see that other guy again. You see him all the time. Mm. Maybe it's worth having one last conversation with her where you kind of lay it out there and you're like, look, this, I, I can't do this. And I don't think that it is a valid response for me to just tell my boyfriend. It feels like you're trying to ultimately end that marriage. And I can't be a part of that. Um, and I'm asking you as my sister, essentially, to please stop this behavior or we can't, I can't have you in my life. I mean, but then I, but then, I mean, then she may just start lying to you. Again, every time I try to think of how to advise this, I just come up with like, but then she could, she, it's clear that she's not going to stop this behavior. Um, and my worry would be that she gets into another relationship that's actually got some promise and that she ends up sabotaging it by continuing to sleep with this other person. I mean, is there also a world where you think that you could tell your boyfriend and he wouldn't tell his friend? He's going to tell his friend, isn't he? There's part of me that's also like, you know what? Enough. You've done this for years. Other people's lives are being impacted. If they have, if if they're found out, they're found out. You know, there's also part of me that thinks that like, you know, this guy is also not innocent. This 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 friend of your boyfriend's who's been doing this for years and cheating on his wife for years, like, you know, maybe there should be some sort of you know, maybe he does need to be called out. It doesn't necessarily mean that their marriage was would end. I mean, everyone is different and what people work through and what people accept and choose to forgive or work through is very different couple to couple. Um, I think the bottom line here, unfortunately, is, is that there's no good answer. I don't think there's any clear answer for you um, given the, and I appreciate the amount of detail you gave me, but given all of that detail... I think the only thing that you can you can control is your relationship with this person. And it sounds to me like this person is bringing you so much anxiety, pain, torment that I would really consider, again, having a real, try to have a conversation with her where you really, really try not to get angry. Try that. In the last episode, last week I did, I talked about um, approaching things with genuine curiosity I think can sometimes be more effective in these situations. So, you know, I think you could say to her, and maybe you already have, but but maybe saying to her, I don't understand why it isn't important to you to value how this is affecting other people. Can you explain to me why having this sexual relationship with him is more important than all of these other things? Why is it, what what is it about your relationship to him that is more valuable than your relationship with me and these other relationships in your life. I think, again, trying to calm genuine curiosity. Have that conversation with her. And then it is up to you because at some point, I think you do need to decide. And that doesn't mean that you have to cut someone out of your life completely, but I think the nature of your friendship with people can change. And it sounds to me like this is somebody that you should at least consider. I mean, again, I'm not saying, you know, cut her out tomorrow, it's over, but arm's length maybe at least for a small amount of time see what happens um she should value her friendship with you more it sounds to me like her priorities are a little messed up and I think asking her I mean that's a question that you could ask too like can you explain to me why your priorities are aligning in this way right now 
That's a probing question. I hope this was helpful. And I do apologize that you're going through this because that is a large burden to carry. But I did also, when I found this email today, I was like, I have to address this because this is a this is a big one and I feel bad that I didn't see it sooner. So I hope that you're well. And uh, yeah, give me an update because I really hope that things are working out for you. And I don't have to read the update if you want to keep it private. That's that's fine. But for, for my own curiosity, I would love to know. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I hope you all have enjoyed this. A uh, little check-in, some more questions answered. And now let's let's listen to some dumb lies. As I said, let's just keep it keep it running. Have some laughs. We've had some heaviness. We've had some sadness. Let's have some laughs this listener says. I look forward to your podcast every week and I never thought I'd have a dumb lie to write in about because I tell, tell white lies so often that they don't phase me anymore. But one lie I told today really struck me as being unnecessarily dumb. I recently got a new kitten, a little tabby named Artie. Oh, that's so cute. Today, the vet office called to confirm his first checkup appointment. And during the call, they reminded me to email in his medical records. I said, oh, sorry, I told my fiance, but he must have forgot. He didn't even know. I just threw him under the bus. I could have just said okay and it would have been fine because I'm sure the vet tech I was talking to didn't really care whose fault it was. Sorry to my fiance for this time and also for all the times to come because I am an unstoppable people pleaser. Thank you for all you do to cheer people up during this garbage fire pandemic. Well, thank you for sharing this. She's also attached a picture of Artie and this kitten is too effing cute. I love that. Again, this is something that I would do too. And it's not about trying to, you know, um, vilify the person, but it's about trying to be like, oh, I'm so sorry that I didn't get this done. It, it wasn't my fault. I'm so sorry. Oh, what a joke. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow through a couple dumb lies because, again, I get so many. I feel like there's no way I'll ever get through all of them. Um, so we'll just we'll read a few, you know what I mean? Okay. Hey there, I recently discovered your podcast and I absolutely love it. I've been following you since your scare tactics days. Okay, now for my dumb lie. So we're just beginning month six of quarantine and like many people, I started trying to pick up at-home workouts. So for a while, I would get up, move the footstool to the side, roll up the rug, and do my morning workout in the living room. I did this consistently for like two months and then the quarantine laziness set in. <laughs> I feel you there. I would maybe do a workout or two a week, but that only lasted another month. Jump ahead a few weeks ago, my boyfriend started going back to the gym with some regularity. This is out of character for him. Anyway, I would tell him I'm proud of him for keeping it up, although I've been feeling guilty for not working out myself. Last week, he asked if I wanted to go to the gym with him. Nope, I told him I had a work call I couldn't miss. I didn't. That was the first lie. The very next morning, I began moving the footstool and rolling up the rug and sitting on the couch to drink my coffee. He just told me I'm doing a great job. I should note that I wake up a good three to four hours before him each morning and I would work out during this time. So yeah, as he continues to go to the gym daily, doing a great job, I just create the appearance that I actually give a damn. The best part about it is that he wouldn't care either way. You know... The, you know, though, it's quarantine in 2020 and it's really fucking tough. Absolutely it is. And I think this is hilarious. And I love that you're saying again that, that, that your boyfriend is supportive enough that you know that it doesn't matter. <laughs> he doesn't have a vested you know, interest in whether or not you've worked out, but you just feel like you can't let him down by admitting that you aren't doing it. Look, I once said that I think the best, um, you know, I, I think the, the best advice I would give to somebody is if you want to feel like uh, you're really doing a good job in your workouts, put on some workout clothes, 
carry a yoga mat and just get onto public transit. And the people will be like, oh, yeah, they'll give you a little look like it's like that person's committed to their fitness. You don't actually have to go to a class. You know what I mean? But you're just telling people, hey, I'm trying my best. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. That was great. All right. Let's do one more real quick, huh? My dumb lie is from when I was 12 years old. My friend and I were sitting at our local swim club that we would spend summers at with nothing to do. So we decided, as 12-year-olds do when they're bored, to start throwing rocks at metal poles that were keeping a very large fence that was up. You may ask why we were doing this? Well, I have no idea. Apparently we wanted to see who could hit the farthest pole with the best accuracy. So with each throw, we thought we were the coolest around. I bent down to grab a rock, and when I stood up, my friend Arik chucked a rock straight at my face. Not on purpose, I should add. My face was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I felt fine, but apparently my forehead had a huge hole in it and was absolutely gushing blood. Let me tell you, we were scared. Not for my bloody injury, but for the shit we were going to get in for, for our own stupidity. We knew we would get yelled at by our parents, so we tried to tell a lie that would make the yelling a little less, well, scary. So the lie we came up with was that I had tripped and fell while climbing the fence, my face apparently catching the top, sh- the top sharp metal part. Which, how does one do that while climbing a 30-foot fence? I don't know. What we found out was that we didn't get yelled at. Moreover, I had gained extreme sympathy. Our parents were deeply concerned that I was going to get tetanus, so I had to make sure we kept up with my medical records. I got a tetanus shot, and it sucked. Once again, digging a deeper trench for our lies. What I got for my lie? A huge scar and a shitty tetanus shot. Ten years go by, and now I have this huge scar on my forehead. My mom brought up me falling on the fence and her concern from ten years ago. I felt that now was a good time to confess that a freaking rock thrown at my face was the cause of my forehead scar and not a tetanus-filled fence. I don't know how, <laughs> why we felt the need to lie for so long, but here we are. The lifelong lies. The lifelong lies. Oh, gosh. So good. Um, I apologize that your face went through that and that you also had to get a tetanus shot. Those things hurt. They're very painful. I remember I had to get one when I had a stupid injury happen to me. And I was like, man, these are no joke. Um, Gosh, I hope you all enjoyed uh, listening to, you know, a few new dumb lies here. Some more advice questions and just me generally wanting to give you a shout out to tell you all that I think you're doing great. But as of now, it's time for Last Thing I'll Say. It's the final segment on Giving It Up For Less. It's a segment dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. And I will say there is something going on here in L.A. that I don't know if the rest of the country knows about, but it is wild. There was a shooting of two L.A. County sheriffs in Compton, uh, and it was, I believe, in front of a hospital, believe it or not. And the L.A. County Sheriff's Twitter account tweeted out that there were protesters blocking the entrance and exit of the hospital yelling, we hope they die, referring to these two L.A. County sheriffs. Um, But here's the deal. There's multiple cell phone videos that have come out capturing there was a protest, I guess, going on, but nobody was chanting, we hope they die. In fact, the video apparently just showed a few people, um, not a huge crowd, and nothing was being blocked. There was one person that apparently did was caught on tape saying we hope they die once, but it wasn't like it was this chant as as this Twitter account had uh, made seem the case. Um, then there was a woman who who they they again this is more from the L.A. County Sheriff Twitter account, and it said. Uh, that a woman ran up and was being aggressive or something. Long story short, she was a reporter. They said she did not identify herself and and et cetera. So 
she got on Twitter and basically talks about how she was arrested and charged with obstructing a peace officer after for, for videotaping their interactions with the protesters. She posts the video, and in the video, she is saying repeatedly that she is with the press, that she's a reporter. They said she never identified herself. And now, I mean, this is a terrible, terrible story. There is people who have been shot. It's, it's, all of it is awful. But I guess the reason I wanted to bring this up was I'm feeling very overwhelmed at the amount of videos we get all the time, and I'm not even touching on the multitudes of videos we have of black people being beaten, shot, killed by police officers, but this was really egregious to me. Um, again, I'm, it's not a competition. I'm saying I'm not saying it's more egregious than anything else. But when we start having police-affiliated, verified social media accounts saying that something is true that then we find out is absolutely not true it just makes me wonder if our phones aren't a, a you know form of defense for us because they wanted to get this information out before any, i guess any of these cell phone videos got posted i don't know what to tell you but it made me think more and more i think the the thought that i had on all of this and why i wanted to share it is of course this is just one story of of hundreds going on in this country uh, many of which I'm sure we don't even hear about that they don't even make the news because it's unfortunately just so common but I do have to say I think more than ever we need to be filming everything and if you come across something that looks like a situation uh, with something going wrong and police harassing somebody especially if it's black people I just have to implore you to pull out your phone and start filming and in this case of course this woman did um, end up getting arrested. But again, I just feel like that's, I guess, the world that we're living in, which is wild to me. I just think we have to empower ourselves to stand up for what's right and stand up for one another and um, not just take the easy path. She could have taken the easy path and walked the other way. She didn't. And I think that that's really admirable. And I think that I think that it's important for us all to keep these things in mind that there is clearly a concerted effort. I know that there's always been a concerted effort, but to me, the LA County Sheriff's Department just boldface lying publicly on Twitter. First of all, it's so lame to me that it's it's like they're turning to Twitter to get this story out about how, you know, the, this whole thing. But secondly, putting out that false information, this is a concerted effort. It's not just, you know, it just feels like there's a concerted effort to try and paint certain groups in a certain way by the police and they're stopping at nothing and now publicly lying and putting stories out that are that are a hundred percent false and there's video proof of it that's chilling to me and uh, again I just want to encourage everybody our cell phones I think you know can be our biggest tool during these times and if you see something say something and I know that that's scary and that that requires a lot of bravery but I think that it's important and we owe it um, we owe it to each other and we owe it to the black people who are getting continually harassed, injured, and killed by police officers. We owe it to them to be a citizen like this woman, get your phone out there and call it out, call out the injustices, call out the lies. Um, because when, when cameras don't seem to be affecting them and they, they seem to think that being filmed doing something wrong doesn't matter that's really scary to me because that's one step away from 
just accepting it. And the more that we continue to accept it, that sends that message that it's acceptable, which it of course is not. So that's what I have to say about that. Thank you everyone for listening. If you have a dumb lie, email me, dumblieswetell at gmail.com. I don't know if I'll read it, but again, I can't read it unless you send it to me. So send it to me. Follow me on Instagram, G-I-U-F-L pod on there. Give me a like wherever you listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Give me a, give me a, you know, a, a little star rating. All of that stuff matters. I know it doesn't sound like it does, but it does. And as I started at the beginning, and I'm going to say again, how are you? I hope your hearts are full. And maybe a little bit fuller now. I hope you enjoyed. Have a great day. Bye.